0: Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays.
1: It's been a weekend of late goals and shock wins in the top flight and Liverpool continue their title charge.
2: An outstanding result for us and again typified the character of this team without being at our best, which we've been in a lot of games. Today we had to show a different side and the side was very pleasing.
1: Wayne Rooney marks his 300th game in style.
3: I've let me football do the talking. and I've never come out publicly and um, I'm not about to now. I'm I'm happy, I'm settled and I've committed myself to the club and hopefully I'll help the club be successful.
1: And when the pressure's on, some managers step up to the plate.
3: It
4: just seems like every time Chris Hutton's under a bit of pressure, he seems to be able to pull a result out. Fair play to Chris Hewton. He's acted with class and, uh, you know, come back with three points, which is what the club wants.
1: We speak exclusively to former Norwich City striker Dean Ashton about that superb win against Spurs. Simon Mignolet pays his respects to a stalwart of the Anfield community. Plus, we hear from John Terry, Thomas Rosicki and Felix Magat. Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Jackie Oatley and joining me to look back at the weekend's fixtures is the former Chelsea and Aston Villa striker, Tony Cascarino. Tony, what's been your standout moment from another great weekend in the Barclays Premier League?
0: Without any thinking, Daniel Sturridge, I thought he was amazing for Liverpool and so exciting uh, the World Cup year. If he can just continue in the way and the manner he's performing, incredible performance.
1: England fans will be hoping so, that's for sure, and Roy Hodgson. Well, just to remind you throughout the season, we're also looking for the standout moments of sportsmanship and spirit in the game through our hashtag you are football campaign any particular examples stand out for you this weekend
0: yeah well certainly john joe shelby's uh applause from the cop you know the anfield faithful and showing their love of former players it's really nice i was listening on the radio to ray clements at the weekend and he talked about when he returned to anfield as a tottenham player he said well, we went out half time and he said we're well, one nil and he said i'm walking towards the cop I'm thinking, what sort of reception? He said, and they just give me this amazing applause. He said, the affection, the love they showed for me. He said, it brought tears to my eyes. He said, I didn't realise they actually done it for a reason as well. He said, we were 2-1 down <laughs> about 10 minutes later. <laughs> you know, but that, I love it when I hear stories and fans just responding to a former player.
1: That's a lovely story. We're going to start with that game at Anfield at the weekend, which promised goals in advance, didn't it? And certainly didn't fail to deliver. Liverpool ending up 4-3 winners over Swansea City. Frankly, it could have been 7-7. They really are the entertainers now.
0: Yeah, they are. And watching Sterling develop, watching Suarez be a player that, you know, a year or so ago was criticised hugely for his antics against Chelsea. And what I love about Suarez, he really has got the bit between his teeth. He could have easily turned back or demanded a move away from Manfield at the start of the season. It could have easily happened. It didn't. And with that, he's crossed the line. His performances have been brilliant. And alongside that, he's got a guy, and I know this because it's happened to me as a player, someone starts thinking, like Sturridge, I want to be the number one. And Suarez is playing so well, I have to lift my performances. I got to Millwall and quite quickly I realised that Sheridan was challenging me, but in a nice way. His goal scoring was infectious. It worked on me because it made me think, I want the headlines as well. And with that came a partnership. Now I'm looking at a power battle between Suarez and Sturridge. I think it's incredible and Liverpool fans enjoy it. There's lots of problems defensively, as much I'm sure we'll touch on, Jackie, but that in itself, the way them to feed off each other I think it's amazing for the club
1: Well for those of us who are neutral we're delighted with the goal scoring prowess yeah. and not so fussed about the defending to be perfectly honest but 70 goals they've scored in 27 games this season more mm. than Manchester City now well let's hear from the man behind this new attacking philosophy at Liverpool their manager Brendan Rogers, who admitted his former team Swansea posed a tough test on Sunday
2: A wonderful victory for us Swansea played really really well and especially when we were 2-0 up to come back into the game you know they had some moments you know with real quality but uh, an outstanding result for us and uh, again, typified the character of this team. Jordan Henderson, you know, we've asked him to just get forward more and get into the box. His first one was an outstanding finish, great touch, and, and whipped it into the corner. And uh, his second one's about his desire to get in the box, great reactions. Michelle made a great save, and then he's tapped it in for the fourth. And, and that was a very, very important goal for us. And uh, without being at our best, which we've been in a lot of games, today we were as if we had to show a different side, and, and the side was very pleasing.
1: Well, Sturridge has now scored 18 goals in just 19 Barclays Premier League appearances this season. He scored in nine Barclays Premier League games in a row now. Only Ruud van Nistelrooy has previously achieved that feat. And I know you're not mm. a huge fan of stats, but in terms of just looking at this side and how much fun they are to watch going forwards, defensively, there are obviously problems mm. which could ultimately cost them the title. Is that something that Brendan Rodgers can sort out now because they're individual mistakes, or does he have to wait till the summer to recruit?
0: Well, he's got to sort out now if he really thinks he's got a belief. I mean, he's got a strike force that can win the title. There's no doubt about that. The problem is, defensively, they're leaking goals. I think Touré and, and Skrtel has been a problem. He's, he's lost injuries through Glenn Johnson and then Enrique has been a problem as well. Martin Kelly, Flanagan, a young lad coming in, getting better. I really feel that Liverpool have to be a bit more tight. And one thing that's been pretty clear defensively, especially the 2 centre seven-halves, they're not comfortable on the ball, which is quite a change from years ago, where it was always, it was a gimme, wasn't it? Liverpool defenders comfortable using the ball, whether it was Gillespie, Hanson, Lawrence, and they all could do it i don't know how long the strikers can keep outscoring the opposition they're close you know we're all talking city chelsea but they're close to winning the league they've got games at home to play against top sides so it's there for them i think brendan will be very conscious if he can get a run of not making any mistakes i'd say they'd be very close well
1: they're only four points off the top liverpool at the moment as for swansea it was a spirited performance from them and their manager gary monk was pleased with how his players reacted after going two goals down early on
3: we didn't start well, you know, we didn't get the ball moving.
4: We were too slow, too many touches. You know, I told the boys that at we half-time, but I think second half, we had a right go and, you know, I mean, I think we deserve something from the game, to be honest, for the effort, for you know, the amount of games we've had recently and the energy levels, the fact that they kept that up to the end was, you know, magnificent. I said to them, that's how it has to be. I think if we had started like that how uh, we did the second half, I think, you know, it would have been a different game totally.
1: Is he right, Tony? Did Swansea deserve something from the game? Well, it's
0: fantastic character and, you know, always bouncing back. The group are fine. You can tell that everyone's pulling in the right direction If you're going to get unlocked by a strike force like Liverpool and go and get the three goals at Anfield, you know they're good enough to stay up. With Boney, they've always got goals and we mustn't forget with Swansea, they've lost me too.
1: Well, they're 12th in the table now, Swansea, four points off the relegation zone. To the Emirates next, where Arsenal recorded their first win in three league games by comfortably seeing off Sunderland 4-1. Olivier Giroud was back in the side and very much inspired the victory with two goals and an assist on his return. How important is he to the side?
0: Very. He leads the line brilliantly. Players, like playing with him because I think he's a great springboard for the attack. And you know, Arsenal have an overload of midfielders who like to get forward, get in positions. He's got great little flicks. He scored, or Arsenal scored a number of goals where he's been used as that little springboard, one two's in off him, and people are getting beyond him, whether it's been a Wiltshire or whether it's a Kozola Ramsey early in the season. And I think it was a big knock to him to be left out of the Champions League game. That would have hurt. He had a bit to prove, and I think that came with the performance that he showed. So yeah, very, very important.
1: Well, let's hear from Thomas Rosicki now because he felt it was a vital win for his side especially after that midweek Champions League defeat against Bayern Munich.
2: Yeah, obviously it's important for us to take these three points from this game because uh, after the Bayern game, (laughs) uh, it was a disappointment for us. So it's important to get straight back uh, uh, to make an answer with three points, what we did today, and uh, it, it was a good step forward again. As I said at the start of the season, I think it will be decided on the very last day of the, of the season. So I think for everyone, uh, for players, for, for you, for supporters, it's very interesting to see and uh, it will be uh, interesting until the last day of the season.
1: Orzitzki scored a beautiful team goal, didn't he? Very Arsenal-like. He was in the side in place of Ozil, who Mm. was rested, stroke, had a bit of a leg problem, depending what you want to believe. But in his last eight Barclays Premier League appearances, Ozil scored no goals and only has one assist. Mm. Why do you think that is?
0: look he was in and out around Madrid we mustn't forget this this wasn't a guy that played every game in Spain Mourinho left him out on numerous occasions he's turned up he's done brilliantly for two or three games personally without the ball where football has changed it's evolved I don't think Ozil's very good I don't think it's great at defending to get close to someone very quickly is important because if you give time to a fullback, a winger a midfielder that's creative if you give them that split second to pick somebody out once they've lifted their head up you're in trouble and Ozil doesn't do that he gets there at a lackluster pace and I think There's been a lot of rumblings from the terraces and is he doing quite enough? And the answer is, no, he hasn't. And I thought he, he was okay, rested, but I felt probably more likely dropped. I just thought he'd fallen short. He's a terrific footballer with the ball. Without the ball, he's an average one.
1: Sounds very similar to the Mourinho matter situation, didn't it? Which yeah. is why he was happy to let him go to Manchester United. Well, in contrast, the defeat drops Sunderland back into the relegation zone and their manager Gus Poyet struggled to find any positives to take into Sunday's League Cup final.
3: We were very, very poor technically, but very poor. We didn't give good angle, we were not brave enough as a team to pass the ball and you only come here to defend sooner or later you're going to concede. Some people concede after 70 and lose the game anyway. Some people like us today concede after two minutes and then it become difficult. Uh, then you kind of make mistakes, we made a big one, and then it was a very long and difficult afternoon. Today is either um, a way of accepting defeat, saying that the opposition was better than us, and that's it, or having a few doubts for next week and make sure we don't make the same mistakes
1: Well Gus Poyet clearly very unhappy and very honest about his side at Arsenal do you think there's an element in the players minds that I've got a cup final next weekend at Wembley I don't want to get injured
0: Mm. I hope not because um, going down so early in the game going a goal behind and Gus is very conscious that you know you're playing a team at the top of the table you want to sort of make a statement and, and they're in a dogfight they really are but he's asking players and he wants them to get on the ball and play now if you give a the ball like Sunderland did. You can't win football matches, even without being Arsenal. And that's what Gus, I think, was frustrated with. He was very frank, and rightly so. But, you know, using the excuse of a cup, I think, is the one thing you have to stamp down as a manager. You have to come down and say, well, to be honest, places are up for grabs, and that wasn't good enough for them at the weekend.
1: Well, Sunderland now don't have a Barclays Premier League game for three weeks due to the League Cup final and also an FA Cup quarterfinal, another potential distraction for them. Well, coming up, we'll be speaking exclusively to former Norwich and England striker Dean Ashton.
0: You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Jackie Oakley.
1: Still leading the way at the top of the table are Chelsea, who scraped to a narrow one-nil victory over Everton on Saturday lunchtime, thanks to an added-time John Terry strike. If it was his goal, that is. Let's hear from the man credited with the winner.
3: Delighted with a win and the three points, we made it quite difficult. But they're a very good side and, and playing well under under Martinez. And you know it was a tough game today. The manager was stressing from the side as well to keep our passing, keep our rhythm, and don't get kind of dragged into that long ball because it was only you know suit them maybe defending very well. So we we tried to keep playing them and, and we done that recently dropping points away to West Brom. important, you know, especially for the game, it's important to pick up three points at home. But we needed to win today to put pressure on the other teams after us today, so, you know, we're, we're top of the league and sitting, sitting well. It's down to the others now to catch us. Well,
1: as a former striker, Tony, you obviously would have claimed that, but having watched the slow-mo replay so many times, I still can't tell whose goal it really was.
0: Yeah, thankfully in my day, there was not 14 million cameras in the ground, and uh, it certainly wasn't John Terry's. I thought it was quite clear, really, for me. It was Tim Howard's own goal a massive goal it really was i kept thinking back of over the season the big one against west brom and that got the madra that the unbeaten record And this was as important as that. Massive, massive goal for them. But was it deserved, though? Because it was a pretty decent performance from Everton. Uh, Everton were fantastic. Great performance, moving the ball, doing it at pace. Coleman down the right was exceptional. Baines, likewise. Having no striker and having to play Naismith is a problem because he does a great job. He links well. He brings people into play. Is he going to get you a goal? Obviously, I don't think he will. And I think that was the defining moment for Everton is that they were short. And having an injured player, you know, in your warm-up, fair play, they played really well, but just not having that striker. It cost Everton getting some out of the game.
1: Yes, Lucina Triori was injured in the warm-up and of mm. course Lukaku was out as well. It was Chelsea's 12th win in 14 home games this season and that's now an incredible 74 Barclays Premier League games at Stamford Bridge unbeaten for Jose Mourinho including that one. I was at Stamford Bridge mm. for the West Brom one which was highly controversial. Well, as for Everton, despite the late laps, manager Roberto Martinez felt it was an encouraging performance against one of the league's very top sides.
0: I'm excited about what's ahead
3: of us because today was a big moment to understand where we are as a team where we got our mentality and I thought we were we were magnificent in that respect. The scoreline obviously is what it matters in the short term and we heard and we're not going to hide it but looking forward the performance is exactly what we needed. I think we came here we showed that we can play eye to eye to the league leaders. The only disappointment is that we couldn't hit the back of the
0: net when we had a couple of good moments of controlling the game. Second half you would expect Chelsea
3: the home team to throw a bit of momentum. I thought Tim Howard had a, a period of 5-10 minutes that he was uh, at his best but from that point on I couldn't see Chelsea scoring from open play.
1: And they're now 11 points behind Liverpool in fourth place. Tony, how do you assess Everton this season?
0: Fantastic. Been a joy to watch. Love some of their performances and adventurous. I think the 2 fullbacks are as good as anywhere in the country. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased because I've watched Seamus play for the Republic of Ireland. He's become a far more talented player in his mid-20s. Morales, his eye for creating something is exceptional. Osman's a clever player. Obviously, Lukaku's form at the start of the season was a big plus. Hasn't quite got to them heights and had an injury. But I do think there's a lot of great things for Everton. And getting Baines to sign a new deal, that's a big coup for Martinez.
1: Well, another of the title contenders to struggle to victory at the weekend were Manchester City. They needed a second-half Yaya Torre goal to seal the points against a resolute Stoke City side. The Big Ivorian stressed how important it was to remain calm in pursuit of that winning goal.
3: The most important was thing was uh, to stay in calm and try to control and try to to see if you have gap or space to get a counter attack. It was very important to don't consider good today and uh, uh, well-deserved well-win today. We have uh, one game in hand now and uh, I think today was very important to win. They're
1: not really renowned for grinding out results this season, Manchester City, Although they? They seem to swashbuckle their way, particularly against uh, sides at the Etihad, but they're now three points behind Chelsea mm. with a game in hand. They're still up there.
0: I'm not surprised. I think that after the Everything going flat playing Barcelona. Losing the game in the manner they did, and I thought Pellegrini got his tactics wrong. He, you know, he went with one up front and all year they've been brilliant with two and I just thought it was a game that we're all going to forget you get past Stoke you've won the game forgot you've got a cup final to look forward to Pellegrini and the team will just be like we, we needed to get through that performance in a game and fair play at Stoke for 45 minutes they were really good and it probably took City by surprise the hunger and desire that Stoke showed
1: Well City now don't play in the league for three weeks due to various cup commitments so Chelsea could in theory be nine points clear of them before they play again in the league I mean what kind of side Psychological effects could that have on them?
0: I think it's a big plus because if Chelsea do happen to go and win all their games and puts a big gap between you, now you know you have to go and win all your games. Whatever Chelsea do, there's going to be a bigger gap, but it's going to force City to go and have to win. I think it's a good thing for them. Really? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I really do. I think it's lovely to you know think of what you need to do. It's in City's hands. Whatever happens this year, now it's there for them to win the title. So you go and win 11 games, okay? Or you know what you need to do, and it's a big ask. Teams have done that. Teams have been in relegation fights and won 9 out of 11 I think West Ham had an incredible record a few years ago so it can be done they're a bit flat in the uh, Barclays Premier League at the moment
1: is that down to complacency because it seems to be you're suggesting that's what it is they were getting all the plaudits just a few short weeks ago
0: I think it's been a a long hard season for them I think the loss of Aguero was a big one and you know they just get that momentum going again I think City will be fine
1: well as for Stoke City this was their first defeat in four but manager Mark Hughes was pleased with his side's performance
2: certainly in the first half I thought uh, we were organised and restricted them to very few opportunities and had good opportunities ourselves. And second half, you, you know City were going to come out and, and up the ante and uh, we, we had to uh, obviously bang down the hatches and, and repel the pressure without really looking in too much danger, to be perfectly honest, but obviously the, the one lapse we had where we, we made a, a couple of consecutive errors, uh, that's a disappointment. But overall, we, we were still very much in the game, still pressing, still trying to create things, and, and I think in the end, City were happy with the 1-0 result.
1: So it was Mark Hughes after the match against his former club do you see Stoke City as being relatively comfortable by the end of the season
0: I think they'll be fine. I've seen them a few times and I always feel that they'd have to have a glut of injuries. I think they've got enough steel determination and I think they get back and they're playing in Britannia. I think they'll win enough games to be okay.
1: Well, to one of the form teams in the league next, that's West Ham. They made it four wins on the spin coming from behind to overcome a well-drilled Southampton side. 3-1 at Upton Park. So why the dramatic improvement of late? Here's their manager, Sam Allardyce.
0: You know that when players are back and fit and available for selection that things will change, but you don't expect they will change to the level that they have it's all been about the quality of our finishing today as well as some exceptionally good defending and putting both together has got us an outstanding victory against a side that have picked up as many points away from home as at home you know and and I think that 40 points would be certain for this year I think we are sat one point better off than last season and when we're now in that position we can perhaps start getting a, a bit of praise again.
1: Tony, it has been quite a dramatic improvement. Are you one of these pundits who is saying at the moment, well, we always knew that West Ham would be absolutely fine, Big Sam was right. As soon as they got the injured players back, they'd be fine. A few weeks back,
0: I was at a club in London, not a nightclub, a members' club, you know, for a social event, and Sam was there and I chatted to him. It was the night Michael Ladrup lost his job at Swansea and he was, oh, no, more pressure on me. Another manager at the wrong end of the table, Ben Saxon, I'm still employed. And since then, they've had an amazing run. But Sam was very positive about getting players back and feeling that defensively being totally wiped out at back four that he could get results Kevin Nolan's one I call him the poor man's Frankie Lampard now don't mean that disrespectfully I mean it is he's not got quite Frank's qualities but well can he get a goal he ain't worried about missing even
1: if he's getting stick well Sam obviously has history with Kevin Nolan Nolan let him down by getting himself Mm. sent off twice for really silly challenges and it looks as though Kevin Nolan's had so much fire in his belly as if he feels guilty for what happened and, and not being available during that poor run, and now how he's made up for it.
0: Sometimes as a player, you've got a point to prove, and when you let people down, how do you repay them? And that's by performances, and show... leading doesn't necessarily just mean in the game, but being at training, doing the right things, having a positive attitude when you're training, and people like Nolan, I, I can imagine they lead by example, and I think Sam trusted him, and that's proved Sam absolute spot on.
1: Yeah, he certainly helped him in his hour of need, and now defensively, this has been a huge plus for mm. West Ham. They're into the top half of the table, probably off the back of all these clean sheets. They, they conceded the first goal in over six hours on Saturday, but how key is that back four, a back five now that Adrian's in the side in goal?
0: Well, if you would have said to the West Ham faithful that travelled up to Nottingham and they got beat 5-0 in the cup, that their back four would be so good so quickly. Of course it's important. It gives them a massive chance. I mean, they've jumped to mid-table from looking like absolutely in a desperate position. Collins, you know you know what you're going to get. Tom, could you know what you're going to get week in, week out? And I'll tell you what, the keeper as well has done brilliant.
1: Yeah, Adrian, well They're now seven points above relegation, but having played a game more, so they're in the top half of the table, but still plenty of work to do. As for Southampton, this was their first defeat in seven matches, but despite their good recent run of form, midfielder Adam Lallana feels, as a squad, they still have plenty to learn.
3: I'd like to think that the way we play will overcome opposition like that, but today it wasn't meant to be. Um, Going one up, we need to be... um... More stronger. We had chances, I had a couple of chances at 2-1 where I've got to do better with. I think we're a little bit naive still. A lot of inexperience out there at this level, but we're going to learn. We've got young players that will learn and keep progressing and developing and getting better. Credit to West Ham. It's their style of football, the way they play, and um, they pick up points like that.
1: They've been fantastic away from home recently, Southampton in particular. They were 1-0 up in this game and won't be happy with the decision for Matt Jarvis' goal, which, when you look at it again, did look offside.
0: Yeah, it did, but they'll be fine. I'll tell you one thing, Jack, I'd say. Southampton are a superb side and we might see a bit of a shock result. They play Liverpool at the weekend and I wouldn't be surprised by what I've seen in Southampton. They could easily get a result.
1: Coming up, we'll be focusing on the other end of the table and speaking exclusively to former Norwich and England striker, Dean Ashton. Now, Barclays has been running the Barclays Twitter ticket competition for you, the fans, over the past few months, where you can win tickets to a match involving your club simply by telling us why you are football. Let's take a quick look at some of the recent winning entries. Kishin Joshi tweeted, When Solskjaer scored the winner in the new Camp, Dad and I dropped to the floor and celebrated like players. Tom Hill writes I was a junior saint in 86 and i followed the team ever since Southampton the best team in the world and finally this from Kerry Williams my son eats sleeps and breathes Everton it's in his DNA hashtag you are football will you have a chance of winning tickets to watch your club tweet why you are football to at Barclays with a Y using the hashtag you are football or post it on the Barclays football Facebook page Before we get back to the action, this weekend's Barclays and Liverpool FC's foundation marked 34 years of hard work by one loyal servant in the local community. Reds goalkeeper Simon Mignolet paid a surprise visit to the Anfield Sports Centre to reward Mary Rooney's years of devotion to the local community by giving her 25 tickets to Liverpool's home game against Sunderland. We'll hear from Mary and Mignolet shortly but first, Mark Haig, head of operations at the Liverpool Foundation, explained to us how they use the power of the Liverpool badge to do good on Merseyside and around the world.
0: We have four main programmes. We're in, at the moment, 80 schools plus...
2: Doing, uh, football and sports development and then if you also consider that with a big international presence we're touching the lives of young people and adults across the world
1: We're a community organisation and the club they have adopted this centre and they put so much effort into ensuring that local people in the area especially local young people benefit.
4: Well I think all the work she's done over the last 30 years for Anfield uh, uh, Sports Community Centre is just terrific and people like Marie have to be celebrated and we're very pleased today on behalf of Barclays and uh, Liverpool to give her something back and let's hope she can enjoy those uh, 25 tickets.
1: I walked into that hall, I looked and I saw Simon Minnick I knew all the kids were there and the cameras Then I saw my husband and I thought, what's happening?
0: She is certainly someone who, who makes a difference. She's somebody who we would take advice from, listen to, work with to make sure our programmes are meeting the needs of the local community.
4: We're now looking at some of our young people and putting them on a... A young leaders
1: awarded they are the future and you know what you get getting. And for me, all that time and energy is well worth that investment.
0: And when I see people like like Marie Rooney, what it does for them is a number of them have expressed a desire to keep working with community initiatives.
4: Together with, with the likes of Marie, who put effort into this, we can make sure that they start and encourage them to do sports and let's hope she can continue in the same manner for, for a long, long time to go.
1: Barclays, for me, have come up trumps with this celebration. You know, I'm truly, truly lost for words. Well, Mary Rooney sounds like quite a special lady, Tony, doesn't she? Just how important is the community work these top clubs do?
0: Well, you listen to Mary and Rooney there and the love and the passion and desire that every fan on terraces who watch their team have It's commitment, and clubs have to tow along. They have to go with it, and rightly so, they do. And I think it's massive growth. I've seen the feeling and the commitment from football clubs and people out around towns. I I was lucky enough to go to France, and I, I watched a town being literally happy and sad by the team. I used to go out and think if we lost a game and the reaction of people and just see a daily basis in the factories and the floor. I just think it's so important that football has got it absolutely right in this level.
1: Well, for photos and more details on the story just go to the Barclays Football Facebook site. I'm here with Tony Cascarino as we continue our look back at the weekend's action and perhaps the biggest relegation encounter at the weekend took place at the Hawthorns where Fulham and their new manager Felix Magat battled their way to a respectable one-all draw against fellow strugglers West Brom. Let's hear from the german who admitted that neither team really deserved to win
0: yeah i think it was a fair result of course, west bromwich has no possession but we have good defense and we try sometimes to score and one time we are lucky but we needed one more you cannot change the players in a few days yeah mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it takes time but for the first game i think we are quite good
1: was it the right decision to remove Mullenstein and replace him with Magat?
0: Well, it's only going to prove by the end of the season. I'm not convinced. I mean, look. Felix Maggot has got a big challenge ahead of him. He's got to win football matches. What was clear in the game, neither team looked good enough. And lacking a bit of belief about what they were doing, and I think for Fulham, they've had such disastrous run of results. I mean, I, I, not only sort of likes of Sunderland going there, but they lost in the Cup to Sheffield United. I was at the game. They were so poor that he has to get some inner belief. And I've been there myself in a relegation fight where there's a, everyone in the dressing room is looking across and thinking, who's going to pull us out of the woods? And I'm not so, too sure in these two clubs at the moment who's going to get... Get them out of trouble. I don't really see. You know, you think of Anelka's Elkers had, had problems, and Berbatov's left Fulham, and Long's left West Brom. You just sort of feel there's been a lot of wind to change. It's been a really strange season for both clubs.
1: Well, Fulham remain bottom of the table, four points from safety, and they have a huge task ahead of them, as do West Brom. It was their fourth one-all home draw in a row. You talk about having to win your home games to stay in the Barclays Premier League, and they remain just above the relegation zone in 17th spot. At another manager coming in who's not experienced the Barclays Premier League, Pepe Mel, still without a victory in six matches.
0: Clubs seem to appoint managers as they got a wand. Pape Mel has got a side that I just don't see winning in a football match. I see them hanging on at times in the style they're playing. They're trying to move the ball around really quickly and there's a lot of good interchange play, but there's no real cutting edge now to West Brom, which they certainly had last season under Stevie Clark.
1: So, in a word, if you can, Fulham and West Brom both to go?
0: I think Fulham will definitely go. West Brom, I feel, will be touch and go, but I can't see a victory, so draws won't keep them up.
1: OK, well, two places and two points below West Brom in 19th at Cardiff, who went down to a shock 4-0. Four- nil home defeat at the hands of a rampant Hull City side. So, were Hull that great or were Cardiff that bad?
0: Cardiff were that bad. All four goals by Hull were players who got on the ball, lifted their head up and found a pass. No one got close enough to stop the ball being played and Cardiff just got it so wrong. Ole Gunnar has said he wants to play nice football and be attacking and be adventurous. But you can't be given chances. I mean, I'm looking at Jelovic, his goal, especially with the header, I'm thinking, at what point was a defender trying to stop the cross, trying to stop the pass to the cross and then getting near Jelovic for the goal. Big problems for Cardiff. They're my certainties to go down.
1: Well, let's hear now from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer.
3: We created uh, quite a few decent ones before they scored the first time they were in our box. But that's football. It's all about scoring goals, taking your chances, defending well. That's what they did. Really, really efficient display from their, their side and the defended really, uh, really well. We lost 4-0 and this is no matter how many chances you create and shots you have and you end up with uh, nothing, 4-0 defeats, embarrassing defeats. I'm not going to make any excuses, we, we just weren't good enough. Uh, I'm not going to lay down, I've never quit in my life, I've been uh, disappointed many times in my career as a player, as a coach, uh, as a manager, so uh, of course I'm not going to give up.
1: This is the third manager in a row now we're hearing from who's not got any experience of the Barclays Premier League Mm. and in serious trouble and not even dressing it up as anything other than a dismal, dismal defeat.
0: Well, you listen to that interview there. He hasn't mentioned once about what we just talked about, the goals, how you can see it. He says... We didn't score goals. You can't win games if you don't score enough goals. But the problem is, football has evolved, and the biggest change in in the game has been getting the ball back, regaining possession from the opposition. He didn't mention that in his interview. If I would have been that I would be saying, first of all, of course, scoring goals is part of football, but a big part of football now is not conceding goals. And the manner they did, like I said, it will take them down.
1: Well, team that didn't have problems scoring goals were Hull City. This was their second away win in a row, and moves them up to 11th place, six points above the bottom three, and one of their goals goal scorers on Saturday Tom Huddleston was delighted to beat a potential relegation rival just so convincingly.
4: First half was probably a bit scrappy and to come in 2-0 at half time was maybe a bit fortunate but I thought we limited them to minimal chances and we deserved the win in the end. It's just massive that we beat the teams around us and, and this game was no different. 40 points is traditionally the mark uh, we've got to aim for and we've still got 11 games to go and if we can sort of get 10 or more points from that hopefully we'll be safe.
1: Are they safe for you?
0: Yeah, and i tell you what, Stevie Bruce recognised at the start of season I needed a complete new midfield, so he went for Livermore and Adelston, done brilliantly for them. And then at Christmas, he gets to the window, he needs a new strike force. So what's he going to do? He goes and gets Jelovic and Long. And they look like they've played together for years. They've just absolutely gelled.
1: Well, Bruce, very experienced, and that was his 100th Barclays Premier League victory, a fantastic servant to the league as a player and, of course, as a manager with Manchester United. Hashtag... You are football. Well, to a bouncing Carrow Road next, one of Steve Bruce's former sides, where Norwich recorded a crucial first win in five, edging out Champions League chasing Spurs one 0 The score of the decisive goal was midfielder Robert Snodgrass, who was well aware of the importance of the result.
2: You know, we knew it was key to try and get three points here today, and you know, oh, everyone the boys were terrific. I think the performances over the last maybe three four weeks have been terrific. I've really enjoyed um, playing. All the lads are, you know, we're scratching our heads because you know we're shooting ourselves in the foot with silly goals we've conceded. You know, level of performance has been there and, you know, we, we turned that level of performance into, obviously, three points.
1: Well, to discuss that win and the importance of it to Norwich's survival chances, I'm delighted to say we can speak to their former striker, Dean Ashton. Thanks for joining us, Dean. Oh, no,
4: pleasure.
1: Just how essential was it that Norwich picked up those three points when they did?
4: Oh, I mean, it's huge. The games that have gone past the Cardiff game and the West Ham game with, obviously, playing teams around and they hadn't got the result, so... um it was really important that they try to get three points especially at home where you want to try and pick up points and obviously it just seems like every time Chris Hutton's under a bit of pressure he seems to be able to pull a result out.
0: Obviously a lot of money was spent in the summer on strikers and there has been a real shortcoming in goals hasn't there and that's for me has been the ultimate problem why Norwich are in a relegation fight. Without that any player who'd got 10 goals from this year, Norwich have been absolutely fine.
4: Oh they would be absolutely, yeah you're right absolutely fine and this Van Wolfswinkel has been a big disappointment. I mean eight million is a lot of money. Um, I know players coming in from foreign leagues you want to give him a bit of time but he's had a lot of game time and one goal is poor and I think there's a stat I think something like four or five shots on target all season which is a bit worrying for Norwich and Chris and I'm sure is, is disappointed Gary Hooper looks a bit more of a threat but like you said you know if they just had a player that could stick the ball in the back of the net five to ten times they'd be right up the league.
1: but Dean how much of Van Wolfswinkel's lack of goals has come from lack of service
4: um, I mean, obviously, yeah, of course. When you play for a team, you know, in the lower half of the league, you're not going to get the same amount of chances as you would the top teams. But there's plenty of strikers out there who don't get the same amount of chances, but still can stick it in the back of the net. I think he's probably been surprised at the physicality of the Premier League. He just looks a little bit lightweight for me. He gets knocked off the ball a little bit too easily and uh, hasn't quite got that confidence in front of goal, which, you know, as a striker, when you go a long time without scoring, it gets even worse.
1: It's a huge win for Chris Hughton, which was very much highlighted at the weekend. And his chief executive, David McNally, had said during the week how important it was that he won the game. Talked about the pressure on him. Was that the right thing for a chief executive to do?
4: I personally wouldn't say it's the right thing, no. It just kind of undermined the manager a little bit. But, you know, fair play to Chris Hewitt, and he's acted with class and, um, you know, come back with three points, which is what the club want.
0: Isn't it incredible, Dean, that a couple of weeks ago that Paul Lambert was talked of a new three-year deal at Villa, and on Sunday, after the victory for Norwich, they're both on 28 points and Chris's job was in jeopardy. Isn't it incredible <laughs> how fickle football is?
4: Oh, it is. I mean, this season, more than any, has just been ridiculous. You know, one minute looking like you're going to be safe the next minute you drag back into it. I mean, only four or five points. Between the bottom 10 is, is incredible, and you can just imagine every manager feeling the pressure.
1: Well, Dean, you played at Carrow Road, of course. You know just how vociferous the Norwich City supporters can be. Just how essential is it that they continue to believe in their side and vocally get behind their team for the rest of the season now?
4: Well, I think they have seen some performances, especially earlier on in the season, that were very poor. And, uh... You know, rightly so. They obviously gave the players and the manager a bit of stick. But recently they have played really well. I've been to about three or four of the last few games and they've been the better team. They've created the chances away to West Ham. They had great chances and just didn't take them. So, you know, the fans have certainly been on side when they see the team putting in all they can and putting in their good performances.
1: And just finally, Dean, you averaged almost a goal every other game at Norwich. Who was your goal-scoring idol when you were growing up?
4: Gary Lineker for me 1990 World Cup was when I first got into football and um, the thing about Gary Lineker was it was all about the goals which I think nowadays seems to have gone a little bit in the fact that you see the players like Michael Owen and Jermaine Defoe, there just aren't them many around anymore and I think you should get back to that more that strikers it's all about goals really
1: Disappointing that Tony Cascarino wasn't <laughs> your hero growing up very bad news for us
0: Sorry Tony Don't worry Dean
1: <laughs> We'll you off Dean Ashton thank you very much
0: yeah, thank Good, you. Up, Dean. Good,
1: Good to hear from Dean Ashton in tony. But as for Spurs, it was a very costly defeat for them. They're aiming for the top four and their manager, Tim Sherwood, struggled to find any positives to take from that performance.
4: I think we got started until the second half, you know, which is not good enough. We weren't brave enough on the football, didn't take enough risk, wasn't good enough in our 1v1 defending. After half time, I had words and said, you know, we need to go out and be better in the second half. You know, after a minute, they, they score, it gives them a leg up and uh, gets the crowd with them. And it was difficult, but we still had some clear cut chances to score. And if you don't take them, you can't win football matches. We've got a home game now. Two home games, Europa League and, and Cardiff at home. We need to bounce back. That's what that's what good teams do. That's what players with real spirit do. And we've got to see what they got in there.
1: He admitted in the first half they never got going. In the second half it was down to poor finishing. Soldado,
0: mm. discuss. Well, it's the first setback that Tim's had to deal with, first of all. It's been a strange time. He's obviously lost a foe. Saldado's just so out of confidence. It's untrue. It reminds me of Diego Forlan when, no, just couldn't buy a goal. Townsend? What's happened to Andrew Townsend? The guy that was in, amazing for England in the early part of the season. It's a strange performance. And going back to what your initial question was Saldado, I've been there myself on a goal drought and know how difficult it is and every opportunity you get and everyone that goes by. I think it started where he was starved of chances in the early part of the season. And every game that goes by and every performance and not seeing a, a light at the end of the tunnel for him has come with a huge huge cost, because now they've invested massively on a player that, just in front of goal, has lost so much belief. It's a big, big shame. I think he's a really good player. I saw a lot of him in Spain. But it's a clear case of a guy that's been drained of confidence, and that's a massive problem for Tim Sherwood.
1: Well, Tottenham are now fifth in the table, six points behind fourth place Liverpool. Or to another 1-0 home victory, but this one was achieved in a rather more dramatic fashion. French striker Loic Remy struck an injury time to end Newcastle's run of four successive home league defeats, and subject Aston. And Villa to their third defeat in four, your former side Tony of course mm. so it was Newcastle's first league goal at home since Boxing Day and uh, it just showed how important Remy is to them, mm. he's been suspended recently
0: Yeah and what I really love about Lloyd Remy there are very few strikers that keep wanting chances even when they're missing and he does like to miss a chance but he always comes with goals at the end of a season Lloyd Remy and I think his tenacity for keep going, keep going, keep going I've missed two, I hit the post and it didn't, it was a horrible game, 75 minutes it was horrible. There was nothing happening in it. And then suddenly, because he shows his hunger and desire to get a goal, he gets rewards. He shrugs off a defender. He's fighting away. And I think that's typical of Lloyd Remy. We talked about Soldado and confidence and lacking it. Having him thinking, well, i tell you what, even if I miss him, I'm gonna just keep going to keep carrying, trying as hard as I can. And his rewards was a goal that won the game.
1: Well, that win came as a huge relief for their manager, Alan Pardew.
0: It was a funny game, really, technically for us. Our effort, our commitment, our work rate was probably what see us over the line. We set ourselves up for just a moment, if we could
2: just get a moment.
0: But it fell to the best player on the pitch and uh, he had the composure in the 92nd minute to uh, leave the centre-half on the floor, drop the goalie and, and stick it in. And it was a very, very important goal because although we have 40 points and we're fired off Everton, who were meant to be having the season of seasons, in the scheme of the last few games, it was an important win and although we, as I say, worked and was diligent and showed what we've done in training this week, in terms of getting a bit of discipline and organisation into our team, it was one bit of quality that won it.
1: Well, that win moves Newcastle up to eighth place in the table and takes them to the supposedly magical 40-point mark. But looking at your former side, Aston Villa, Tony, that's now three defeats and four for them. Villa's performances have been
0: so hit and miss. I've seen some brilliant ones and I've seen some awful stuff from Villa. I always think that for me... Christian Benteke sets them off. If he's there and he's at the races and he's got the bit between his teeth, I think Villa are fine. If he's not, they struggle.
1: Big game coming up for Villa next against Norwich City, Paul Lambert's former club, of course. Well, we're going to end the show now with the champions, Manchester United, who recorded their first away win of the year by beating Crystal Palace 2-0 at Salhurst Park. Perhaps fitting that Wayne Rooney, in the week that he signed a new five-and-a-half-year contract with the club, secured the points with a stunning half volley.
3: To be honest, it's um, it's more or less been agreed for uh, maybe a, a month now and it was just the, the fan details which needed finishing off. So, um, you know, I wanted to get done as quick as possible and I'm happy I'm settled and I'm I've, I've committing myself to the club and hopefully I'll help the club be successful. Today was a big result for us. We haven't played in 10 days, so um important game and it was a good victory. I thought we played well, moved the ball well and maybe could have created more chances. But overall, we were in control of the game and we knew once we got one goal, then we'd get another and we'd be able to see the game out. But it's always important. It's tough getting that first goal and, and um, thankfully Robin stuck the penalty away and we managed to get a second so I think it was a great three points
1: yeah, I was at that game Tony and Wayne Rooney might have signed this bumper <laughs> mega bucks brand new contract that everybody was talking about but it certainly didn't have any kind of negative effect on his work ethic mm. Wayne Rooney was absolutely outstanding
0: Yeah, and he owes a bit to Manchester United and the fans. I think, you know, we've seen over the last couple of years that over not signing and could have been off and Fergie had a lot of anger towards Wayne about his commitment. And I think he's probably come to his senses slightly that a club like Man U are, as big as they are, and they need him. I'm not quite sure of why he's got a five-and-a-half-year deal at 29 years old that comes to £85 million and you don't have no resale on that. It's the best part of 100 and odd million, so It's a huge contract. But Wayne still needs to become a more regular scorer. And I think I'm watching him play quite deep at times. And I think his last goal previously was Boxing Day. It was against you Hull. Know, you know, if you're paying somebody that amount of money, you want 25 goals and 30 goals every year. That's what you're paying him such huge sums. So Wayne is a tremendous player, but I'm not sure what player Wayne will be at 33, and they'll still have two years to go at that time of his contract, I'm not sure.
1: Well, United are now five points behind Spurs, who are in fifth, and 11 points behind Liverpool, which is pretty painful for United. I mean, where do you see them ending up this season?
0: Well, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll (laughs) make the top four because they've got a massive gap to bridge. All eyes will be on the Champions League. I think what he will try and do is get a settled side between now and the end of the season and stay with the group that he really believes in and say, hey, look, we've got 11 games to go in the league. Let's go and get 11 big performances and see where it takes us because I think what we're going to see now is Moyes' team, maybe obviously with a signing or two in the summer, but it's going to be the basis of what they're going to be about. Maybe not the back four because there is change going to definitely happen there, but from the midfield and forward line, I think he'll see this is what I want for next year.
1: That was David Moyes' 40th match in charge of Manchester United and he still hasn't selected the same starting eleven on more than one occasion. But going back to last week's show, Tony, (laughs) Former Stoke defender Danny Higginbottom said that he felt his old boss, Tony Pulis, was definitely going to keep Crystal Palace Mm. up this year. Do you agree with him?
0: Well, he'd know better than anybody because he worked for him and he knows his qualities. I mean, I go back a long way. I've met Tony a few times when he was Gillenham manager, so I know what was going on then. He's always developed teams that are really tough to beat. It's exactly what's required at Crystal Palace because in the early part of the season, they weren't. They were easy to get the better of. And I think, move on from this game. You got beat by last year's champions who have had a hard run, difficult time. That's not going to decide whether you stay in the league. And I think they'll be fine, and he'll find a way. Tony by hook or by crook will find a way.
1: Well, they won their last three Barclays Premier League games at home before that match, and they're now in 16th place, two points above the bottom three. Well, let's take a quick look at some of this weekend's Barclays Premier League fixtures. There are just the eight matches taking place due to Sunderland and Manchester City meeting in the League Cup final on Sunday. Manchester United and West Brom are the two other clubs who don't feature. So, on Saturday, Everton versus West Ham, Fulham against Chelsea, which I'm going to hugely looking forward to, a West London derby there, Hull against Newcastle United, Stoke against Arsenal, Southampton versus Liverpool which is a match that you pointed out as being a particularly intriguing one and on Sunday Swansea Crystal Palace, Tottenham versus Cardiff and Aston Villa versus Norwich mm. so what else stands out for you there? Obviously
0: Stevie Bruce going out against his beloved Newcastle, he loves them, the area brought up and they're on a great run and there'll be a bit of a conflict on the benches so I'm looking forward to that one but Sunday, Aston Villa Norwich, Paul Lambert, you know a big connection with the club, both on the same points, that's a game that I think a lot will be said about how they're going to end I think one of them winning would be a massive boost for anybody at either club.
1: It's all so incredibly tight in the bottom half of the table, isn't it? Quick prediction for Sunday, it's the League Cup final between Manchester City and Sunderland.
0: Well, if City turn up and play like they can, it's a no-brainer. Unfortunately, we would have said that with Wigan last year. Cup finals are strange games. It's a one-off. And as long as the smaller the minnow, which Sunderland are, and as long as they're still in it, if they can keep level at 60, 70 minutes, put pressure on, you never know what can happen. But City are the better team, without doubt.
1: Well, it seemed that Sunderland were saving themselves a little bit, didn't it, judging yeah. by that weekend performance away at yeah. Arsenal. So We shall see. Well, we'd like you to tweet us your predictions to at Barclays Footy with a Y. Thanks very much, Tony, for your company. Before we go, why don't you have a go at this week's trivia teaser? Wayne Rooney became the sixth Manchester United player to make 300 Barclays Premier League appearances on Saturday. Can you name the other five? If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at Barclays Footy or post it on the Barclays Football Facebook page and we'll reveal it on the site later on in the week. We'll be back at the usual time next Tuesday to analyse all the weekend's action, including the West London derby between Fulham and Chelsea and that tough away assignment for title chasing Liverpool at Southampton but until then from Tony Cascarino and from me Jackie Oatley goodbye.
0: You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League brought to you by Barclays.